0: in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of First Samuel chapter 16, so grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney.
1: Alright, let me read you this. Maybe this will encourage you. Lift my spirit, lift your spirit. Listen to this. Little Carol came into the kitchen where her mother was cooking. Her birthday was coming up, and she thought this was a good time to tell her mother what she wanted. Mom, I want a bike for my birthday. Little Carol had gotten into trouble at school and at home. Carol's mother asked her if she thought she deserved to get a bike for her birthday. And little Carol said, of course. Carol's mother, being a Christian, wanted her to reflect on her behavior over the last year and write a letter to God and tell him why she deserved a bike for her birthday. Well, little Carol stomped up the steps to her room, and she sat down to write a letter to God. Dear God, letter number one, I have been a very good girl this year and would like a bike for my birthday. I want a red one, your friend, Carol. Well, Carol knew this wasn't true, She had not been a very good girl. She tore up the letter and started over, letter number two. Dear God, this is your friend Carol. I've been a pretty good girl this year, and I would like a red bike for my birthday. Thank you, Carol. Well, Carol knew this wasn't true either. She tore up the letter and she started again, letter number three, dear God. I know I haven't been a good girl this year. I'm very sorry. "'I will be a good girl if you just send me "'a red bike for my birthday. "'Thank you, Carol.'" <laughs> Carol knew even this wasn't true. This letter was not going to get her a bike. By now, she was very upset. She went downstairs, and she told her mother she wanted to go to church. Well, Carol's mother thought her plan had worked because Carol looked very sad. "'Just be home by dinner,' her mother said. Carol walked down the street to the church and up the stairs to the altar, she looked around to see if anybody, anybody was there and she picked up the statue of Mary and she slipped it under her jacket and she ran out of the church and down the street into her house and up to her room. She shut the door, she sat down, she wrote a letter to God, letter number four. Dear God, I got your mama. <laughs> and if you wanna see her again, send the bike. You know who. (laughs) (laughs) I love that one. I got that one from Pastor Ray uh, from uh, 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 the Rock (laughs) Christian. He sent me that one. I got to read this to the church. Then I sent him one. He told me he's going to read it tonight to to his church. So, Uh, (laughs) got a pen. Outline Book of First Samuel. First Samuel. Chapters 1 through 7 is written about who, saints? Samuel. Chapters 8 through 15 is written about who? Saul, who is the first king of Israel. And 1 Samuel chapter 16 through 31 is written about who? David. Chapter 15, were you with me last time? Not last week, but last time. Just raise your hand. Were you with me last time? That's most of you. You know that God's heart is grieved and the prophet's heart is grieved because... Saul failed to obey the simple command of God. Chapter 15, look at verse 3. God told Saul, in chapter 15, in verse 3, God told Saul to go and attack Amalek and utterly destroy Amalek and utterly destroy all that they have and do not spare them, but kill both men and women, infant, nursing child, ox, sheep, camel, and donkey. God said, wipe them out completely. Don't leave a trace. And we learned that God was punishing Amalek for what they did to Israel. Remember, when Israel was leaving Egypt, the Amalekites were ruthless in their attack. Without provocation, the Amalekites attacked the people of God in the rear. In other words, the people are leaving Egypt, and while leaving at the end of the line were the sick and the children and the lame and the moms. And people in wheelchairs and IV poles and the Amalekites attacked the most vulnerable. It was a brutal attack. And they attacked God's people for no reason other than to kill and to rob. And God never forgot it. And God told Saul to attack them and don't keep anything. Erase them. Look at verse 9 in chapter 15. But spare, but told, told Saul, don't spare anything, but they spared the king. Remember? King Agag and the best stuff. Everything despised and worthless they destroyed. And they thought, man, what a shame to destroy all this good stuff. We can keep it and give it to the church. But God said, (laughs) but God said, destroy everything. And were you with me? Samuel makes a 15-mile journey. Samuel meets up with Saul. Look at verse 13 of chapter 15 look at verse 13 he meets up with Saul and I love it and Saul says blessed are you of the Lord Sammy I have performed all the commandments of the Lord all this God speak and Samuel said did you do all and remember I told you what all means all means all and that's all all means he said did you do all that I commanded. And Saul said, absolutely. And Samuel said, then why do I hear the bleeding of the sheep and the lowing of the oxen? Did I tell you to destroy everything, including every animal? This is not good. This is bad. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Samuel said, it's the last one, okay? It's the last one. Samuel said, Saul, it was a shame to get rid of the good stuff. So they just kept the good stuff and they got rid of the bad stuff. You know, one man's junk is another man's treasure. And he's given all the excuses. Look at verse 16. Samuel said, Saul, shut up. I'm going to tell you what God has to say about this. Look at verse 22. Samuel said, has the Lord a great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than what, Saints. Sacrifice and to heed than the fat of the rams. In other words, God doesn't want your presence. He wants your obedience. Well, after this debacle, Saul wants to worship with Samuel. And Samuel said, no way. Because worship would have included sacrifice of the animals from the Amalekites that God said was supposed to be destroyed. And Samuel doesn't want to take part in someone's disobedience, accessory to sin. Samuel said, I don't want any part of that. Samuel turns to walk away and and Saul, look around verse 28, tore his robe. And Samuel said, the Lord has torn the kingdom away from you. In verse 32, Samuel said, bring Agag to me. He said to Agag, as your sword has made woman childless, so your mother shall be childless. And Samuel hacked Agag into pieces in Jesus' name. And Samuel didn't say, let God bygones be bygones, did he? He got rid of them because the Lord said, do that. Well, in chapter 16 through 31, it begins a new section in 1 Samuel, as you know. And now we turn our attention throughout the rest of the book to King David. I've titled this sermon, A Nobody, Nobody Noticed. In 1 Samuel chapter 16, saints, we pick up in verse 1, and I'll read until... I think we should stop. First Samuel chapter 16. Look at verse 1. If you're looking at verse 1, say amen. Now the Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. I'm sending you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided, for I have, underline I have, provided myself a king among his sons. And Samuel says, how can I go? If Saul hears it, he'll kill me. But the Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. And then invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show you what you shall do. You shall anoint for me the one I name to you. And so Samuel did what the Lord said and went to Bethlehem. And the elders of the town trembled at his coming, and they said, do you come peaceably? And he said, peaceably I come to sacrifice to the Lord. Sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And then he consecrated Jesse, his sons, and invited them to the sacrifice. And so it was in verse 6, are you looking at it? When they came that they looked at Eliab, and they said, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, Please look at verse seven. Do not look at the appearance or at his physical stature because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees. Please read this with me. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So Jesse called his other son Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. And then Jesse made uh, Shammah pass by. And he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. And then Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen these. And Samuel said to Jesse, all the young men here? And then he said, well, there's this the youngest. He's out there keeping with the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and bring him, for we will not sit down to eat until he comes. So they probably ran fast. (laughs) So he sent, and he brought him in. Now he was ruddy, with bright eyes and good-looking, and the Lord said, Arise and anoint him, for this is the one. And then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon David, From that day forward, so Samuel arose and went to Ramah. Saints, let's stop right there. Give me your attention. The Lord said to Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul? Solomon said, to everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven, a time to weep, a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance. It's a time to mourn, but there's also a time to move on and do what God has called you to do. And obviously, Samuel was mourning for Saul because God had rejected him. Remember the prophecy, if you want to flip back to chapter 13 and verse 14. Remember the prophecy that was given, but now your kingdom shall not continue, Saul. That God has sought for himself a man after his own heart. And the Lord has commanded him to be the commander over his people because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. And it was probably difficult for Samuel to say to Saul, just like you ripped my nice robe, God has ripped the kingdom from you. You no longer are going to be the king in Israel. God has given it to another. So Samuel is mourning for Saul. He's not rejoicing. So finally, actually, God said, Samuel, how long is this going to go on? How long will you mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Saul, I have rejected. I am God. All of y'all are working for me. So it's time to stop mourning and get up and get serving. And Samuel doesn't know that God is bringing him to listen. One of the most significant acts in his prophetic career. God is bringing Samuel to one of the most significant acts in his prophetic career. God is bringing him to the most significant thing that Samuel will ever do in his entire prophetic ministry. What's that, Pastor Rodney? He's going to dump some oil on the head of a little shepherd boy. And that is significant. And I'll tell you why in just a few moments. So you ask, why is it so significant? Well, because the pouring of oil is going to be poured on his head. It's going to be poured on the head of the one who will be in the line of the Messiah. This will be poured on the head of King David, who was a type of Christ. This will be the one whose throne the Messiah will come and sit on forever. This will be the greatest physical, natural king Israel will ever have. And Samuel doesn't sense that. And God says, Sammy, how long is this morning thing going to go on? But I want you to notice something. God said, I have provided. I had you underline that, didn't I? Listen, I think the answer of ceasing to mourn is to realize I have provided. God is saying, I understand how you feel, but I'm not at a loss. I have provided. That should be an encouragement to us living in the world today. Seems like everything's falling apart, doesn't it? Am I the only one that feels that way? It does. It feels like everything is falling apart. It feels like everything is so crazy now. And nation is, fall, is against nation and, and, and kingdoms against kingdoms and fathers against mothers and mothers against daughters and fathers against sons and brothers against sisters. And is crazy now. And in this crazy, mixed up, cracked up, backward world that we call earth in this world, That calls wrong right and right wrong. God always has a ram in the thicket. I have provided. (laughs) Always. 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 And I think of, when I think of I have provided, of course you think of too, don't you? Moses just about to kill his only son Isaac. And God says, Stop, Jehovah Jireh. I have provided. God always has a remnant. Say amen. God always has someone. God is always working on someone. That's why children's church is so important. Uh huh. That's why children's play is important. Because God's always working. And I honestly do think listen, I think that if we could get them. Involved in church and get them close to Jesus when they're three, four, five, six, seven. Bring them up in church, have your babies, mommies, and the next week come to church and put them in the nursery. They're gonna be all right. I know you know, you know, when you first had a baby, when you first have a baby, you don't want to separate from the baby. You know what I mean? I know how you feel. You have a little baby, you don't want to separate from the baby because. You're attached to the baby and you don't want to lead the baby. So some, some of y'all don't even come to church for about four months. And, and the baby's nine years old. Where you been? Raising my child. <laughs> What's wrong with you? Something ain't right about that. But I, th- I think if we get them when they're young and, and, and raise them in the things of the Lord, I think we have a whole lot, lot less problems when they get 17, 18, 19, 20. I think, I think we won't have to build bigger prisons, and we won't have to have so many after-school programs and so many, you know, youth centers where we got to keep them active and keep them busy. Don't get me wrong, I don't think there's anything wrong with those things, but I think that we need to get them. And why can't we get them at church? That's why I understand why we have to have the children's church plea. Tiffany, I'm trying to help you out. (laughs) Why we try to have the children's church plea. If you got children, you should be serving in the children's ministry. I don't see no problem with that. If you got kids, you need to be down there. Get them when they're young. Get them, teach them the Bible. Teach them Bible verses. That's why the Bible studies are important. Men's group and women's group is important because you don't know if that someone is currently being worked on by God you don't know if that someone is currently working as a bus driver or that someone is currently sitting at a computer or that someone that God's going to use is currently driving a truck or that someone is working in the hood or that someone is working as a shoe salesman. 1858, a school shoe clerk gave his life to the Lord. His name was D.L. Moody, who became an evangelist. And he led a guy to the Lord named Frederick B. Meyer, Frederick B. Meyer was preaching on a college campus and led J. Wilbur Chapman to the Lord. Chapman was working at the YMCA and gave Billy Sunday a job. Billy Sunday held a revival in Charlotte, North Carolina, and they held another revival and brought in a guest speaker whose name was Mordecai Ham. In the crowd of Mordecai Ham's revival was Billy Graham who heard the gospel and gave his life to Christ. You don't know who God is calling. You don't know. And and you might see a nobody, but God sees somebody who could be used to teach everybody about the only body, Jesus, who could save anybody. I'm glad I don't have to say that again. (laughs) It's just one service tonight. In verse 1, God says to, to, to the greatest prophet, stop mourning, get back to the father's business. Get your horn and fill it with oil and go. I'm sending you to Jesse, the Bethlehemite. Now, obviously, he's talking about going to anoint who, saints? David or David. So now we're introduced to David for the first time, although we don't have his name mentioned yet, but we know who we're talking about. Did you know that there is more written about David in the Scriptures than any other Old Testament character? Abraham has 14 chapters. Joseph has 13 chapters. Jacob has 11 chapters. Moses has 40 chapters dedicated to him. There are 66 chapters in the Old Testament about the life of David. There are 57 New Testament references to David. King David's name is referenced more than a 1,000 times in the Bible. That's more than any other human in Scripture. So God said, Samuel, go to Jesse and take the horn of oil. But note, he really doesn't tell Samuel what's happening, although Samuel might be getting a little bit excited because he understands oil, and he knows it represents anointing. Maybe he's thinking it's probably time to go find a new king. And God said, go. And Samuel said, how can I go if Saul hears that he's going to kill me? Now, I can understand Samuel's fear in verse 2. There's no doubt that Saul would consider it treason to go over to David. Are you listening? Samuel says, Lord, Saul is always in a bad mood. He's seven feet tall. He's not the kind of king that likes you anointing other kings in his kingdom. Not really sure why he would fear God says, I'm sending you. Why would you fear? God said, I'm sending you. God said, take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Look at verse three. Then invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show you what you shall do. Then you will anoint the one that I name you. Now listen, this statement, you will anoint the one that I name you is an important statement in the story. Remember chapter 10, Samuel anointed Saul with oil. And I told you when you were being anointed in the Bible, nothing happened except you got oily. I told you that. I told you that biblical anointing was different than today's anointing. Today, if someone is sick and needs anointing, what do we do after church? We take somebody come and get a little, little bottle of oil. I got I probably got one if you don't have one right now, but I usually have one. <laughs> I look at sermon illustration, it's not there. And um <laughs> We get that little bottle of oil and something, you know, we anoint and, and we take a little dabs, you know, and we dab, you know, their head with oil. And if you're feeling really holy, you make a cross with the oil, you know. If you're feeling super, oh, then you, just, you know, you just make a cross and you pray and you anoint. That's how we do it. But true biblical anointing, listen, y'all know, I told you, didn't I? They would take a container of oil and pour the whole container over your head. Biblical anointing was very messy. Your clothes were soaked. If we did it that way today, nobody would come for prayer for communion. <laughs> or you need to bring a towel for anointing. Write it down. Psalm 133.2, it is like the precious oil upon the head running down the beard, the beard of Aaron running down on the edge of his garments. God told Samuel in verse 4, go, and I will show you which one to anoint. So Samuel did what the Lord said, and he went to Bethlehem. Now, let me tell you something. This is kind of interesting, I thought, at least. Bethlehem is extremely significant and important in the Bible. Bethlehem means, if you don't know, if you don't know, write it down. Bethlehem means house of bread. John six thirty five. Jesus said, I am the Bread of life, and he that comes to me shall never hunger, and he that believes on me shall never thirst. It was a little town, yet so important. Jesus was born in Bethlehem. So many things happened in Bethlehem as a preview of the main event. Rachel was buried in Bethlehem, Genesis 35. Ruth is redeemed in Bethlehem, Ruth 4. Naomi was from Bethlehem and then moved to Moab. David's mom and dad, Naomi and Ruth... King David was born in Bethlehem. David was anointed king in Bethlehem. We're going to see that in verse 1 and verse 13. David was the great-grandfather of Jesus.
0: You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time.